0: And just like that, we're back, finally back. What is this? It's the Late Kick Extra podcast. Why? Because you asked for it to come back. We had sort of dropped the ball a little bit. The Late Kick Extra live recordings were still uploaded in the pod feed, but now we're back every Tuesday with the Late Kick Extra pod. What is this? Several of you are new here. This is just wall-to-wall mailbag. This is me asking for questions, you submitting them, and us going all sorts of different directions in an ideal world. You're asking college football questions. But we often know that this is not an ideal world, and especially in this world, amongst the Pate State community, we can go all sorts of different directions, and we're going to do that. So I am trying to speed my way through the intro while also reminding you what this is, because we've got about as loaded a mailbag as we had at any point when we were doing this, and I don't want it to last three hours. Uh, because we have other things to record in this studio today. But I am happy that you are with us. Just make sure you understand this is the only place you can get this. There may be some small clips we put on the YouTube channel, but this, by and large, is where you will get the Late Kick Extra podcast. And if you're already here, judging by your listenership you are, just make sure you follow slash subscribe to whichever podcast feed you're listening on. Five-star reviews help, too. We don't mind those. All right, let's dive into this mailbag. Remember, if you want to get in touch, Follow me, Instagram, Twitter, at Josh. That's where you can submit the questions. First question from Clint. How many times will it take a team ranked 5 through 12 to win the national championship for you to say you were wrong about playoff expansion? Or am I missing your reason for being anti-expansion? Well, Clint, I think you may be. I didn't ask you this because it's, it's sort of rhetorical, but I would ask you if you were here right now, what is my stance? Why didn't I necessarily love expansion? As I said on the show the other night, I'm not going to continue to relitigate this. I'm a realist. I accept what is and I can't change it. But why, for the record, was I anti-expansion? Well, it's not because, it's certainly not because of what Clint suggested there. What Clint suggested is as soon as a nine seed wins the title, that means you were wrong about expansion. Well, I never suggested they couldn't. It's quite the opposite, Clint. I listened and I don't know how Clint stands on this matter. But I listened to a lot of people who were pro-expansion, expansionists, if you will, and I listened to your reasoning. And a lot of you, not all, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but a lot of you told me, I'm tired of the same old teams winning. I'm tired of the same old teams consisting of the final grouping. I'm tired of the Alabamas and Clemsons and Georgias and Ohio States of the world being the only ones that really get a perennial shot at the dance. And I was like, I don't, okay, that's your feeling. I can't tell you your opinion is wrong. It's just how you feel. Uh, It never bothered me, but at least I understand how that could bother you. I get it. It's sort of redundant. You want some more parody. You want want some fresh water flowing into the pond. I get it. Here's my beef with the expansionist crowd for the sake of more brands being included and what expansion actually means. Because I just watched the college football playoff like you did, and I didn't see Bama there. And I didn't see Clemson there. And I know full well the model that you're advocating for is a model that will sure enough make sure Alabama's in every playoff and Clemson's in every playoff. Now, since this is one microphone here and you guys are having to listen to me, I have to make your argument for you. And I've gotten pretty good at it because I know you guys very well. So someone out there is in the gym right now or someone's driving in their truck right now and you're yelling at me Well, yeah, but they were always going to make it anyway. I want more seats for new teams. That's where I have beef part two. No, they don't always make it. No, they're not always already there. I just asked you and I'll ask you again. Where was Bama this last playoff? They were just on the outside looking in. Where was Clemson? They were just on the outside looking in. Not by far. Not by far. And certainly close enough to where if you expanded, if you lowered that bar a little bit, they'd be in. So Clint. Your question was, how many, how many five through 12 seeds have to win the playoff for me to admit I was wrong? It depends on what the conditions are to your question, because I'm going to hit you with a question in return. I'm going to very unprofessionally answer your question with a question. If Alabama loses two regular season games and they end up locking down the nine seed in the expanded playoff and they win the title, Does that mean I was wrong or does it mean I was right? Because I'm telling you right now, the bar is still high enough where even the Alabamas of the world aren't automatically guaranteed clearance. They still have to perform. They still have to get the job done. Alabama lost two regular season games this past year. And given the structure of the rest of the field, I didn't think Alabama deserved a shot to play for a national championship this past year. I didn't think Clemson deserved a shot to play for a national championship this past year. That doesn't mean if they got in, they wouldn't have won the whole thing, though. I think Alabama would have had a reasonable shot at winning the entire thing if they got in. So my point is not that it's impossible for teams 5 through 12 to win the title. I just think that people are romanticizing what that would look like. You're thinking Kansas State making a run from a 10-seed position or You're thinking sort of an upstart brand like a Washington making a run. And I'm telling you, I hate to break your heart. Clint, the far more likely scenario for a 5 through 12 winning a title is an Alabama or an Ohio State stumbles a couple of times. And stumbles that otherwise would have kept them out of a 14 playoff end up not being enough to kill their shot. And they get in. And then they take still the most talented rosters in the field. And they have a few weeks to prepare and they end up winning a title. Because you're giving them not a second chance, in some cases, not even a third chance, but a fourth chance. They only play 12 games in this sport. Like If you're losing two or especially three of your games, you're, you've lost a quarter of your regular season games. Now, the caveat there is I think it dissuades, it could, let me say it could dissuade teams from scheduling tougher out-of-conference games. And, and what I'm saying is someone could listen to my argument and say, you're just you're just encouraging people to load up on cream puffs instead of challenging themselves. No, no, not that at all. I am suggesting to you there should be uniformity in scheduling across the board so we don't even have to make that counter argument. That's what I'm saying. But Clint, I, as I end every playoff segment by saying and I'll say it again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right. Cause I certainly am not interested in looking at the sport five years down the road saying, I don't like this. I certainly want to look around and say, I like this. I just don't know if I'm gonna like this. All right, good start there. Whomsted of thought? Whomsted of thunk it? Two apostrophes in whomsted of? Whomsted have thunk it? We were we we're gonna start the revised version of the Late Kick Extra Pod with a playoff question. Next question from Dane. He asks, Does the firing of Josh Gaddis And the poaching of Kevin Steele from Miami, are those bad signs? They've lost their OC and their DC. Or does it reflect a larger troubling issue? Or is it just an unfortunate circumstance, but the trajectory of Miami's program hasn't changed? Uh, I don't think it's it's fully detrimental. So let's recap what we're talking about here. Because Miami, as we're recording this, has made a defensive coordinator hire. So let's recap what we're talking about. Mario chose to fire Josh Gaddis, to be clear. They didn't lose him. They chose to fire him. And so that is that is by choice. So that's kind of in another compartment. Losing Kevin Steele to Alabama, yeah, that's that's losing a guy. I don't think it was the biggest shock in the world at Miami. I don't think they viewed it as the biggest loss in the world. They viewed it as a loss. I'm not being disrespectful about that, nor would they be. I'm just saying Mario moved pretty quickly. Um, I, I, I had some details of the search they conducted. It was pretty quick, and, and it was quick because Mario, like many coaches, just had a, a front drawer where he could pull it out and knew the names he was going to go after. But I think they had some advanced knowledge that this may be necessary if you're reading between the lines there. So uh, according to Pete Thamel, again, as we're recording this, Tulsa defense, or Tulane, rather, defense coordinator Lance Gidry—that that is the man who is headed to Miami to replace Kevin Steele. Trajectory feels the same to me. And what I mean by that is, I think Miami's going to be a lot better this year. Now, they were five and seven, so that's not a loaded statement, but I think we've seen this happen a lot. You'll see coaching changes happen, they happen all the time. And then you'll get into the season, right? And it'll be week four, and it'll be 17 to 14, late third quarter. It's a key third down, and no one's even thinking about the experience level of the coaches and how long they've been there. They're just thinking about whether or not you're going to convert the third down and and either get off the field or extend your drive or whatever. I just don't think that this is going to have a massive impact one way or the other, and it could even have a net positive impact. So I I just think it kind of, I know it's so old to say, but it kind of is what it is. Miami defensively, this last season, they were 67th defensively in points per game allowed. I don't attribute all that to Kevin Steele. They had what they had to work with. So I don't think that that's necessarily a a plus or a minus on his resume. I just think Miami in the aggregate overall, 10,000 feet is getting better. And I think they'll get better regardless of who they have hired or just hired. So there you go. I'm still not ready to predict them to win the ACC this year though. Moving right along here in the Late Kick Extra podcast. Andrew wanted stories I can tell from the Every Given Saturday Tour now that the season is over. So, Andrew, here's what I'll tell you about that. There are stories. There there are stories. What I think we are going to do is I think we're going to dedicate an entire sort of, not extra, in the sense that a Late Kick Extra podcast is going to be dedicated to it. But I think I want to go longer form on that. So, I told you the story, for example, from... The UCLA Oregon game, for those who haven't heard that one, I'll I'll do that one for Andrew's sake. But as for the rest of them, stay tuned on that. I would say, you know, we've got February, March, April, May, and June coming up before we even get to Media Days. And while we do not recognize an off season on this program, we do understand that we have some some more free time to talk about such things. But I go out to the Oregon game this past year. This is great. So I go out there. They're playing UCLA. I got there. Thursday night, I think. No, Friday morning. And we did some CBS Sports HQ hits from Autzen Stadium. Met with a lot of the staff out there. And then go to the game Saturday. And I was standing in the tunnel that UCLA uses, the road team uses to take the field. It's a really long tunnel. So like you could see players coming from a long way away. So UCLA's about to take the field. Chip Kelly's leading the way. I'd never met Chip Kelly before never spoke a word to him before, never interacted with him anywhere via email, Twitter, whatever, never. And they're walking towards the field. I'm just kind of standing off to the side. I got my eye Josh out. I was recording them walking to the field. Chip Kelly sort of deviates from his path and he tells the rest of his team, hey, go ahead and go. And he walks up in my ear. And he says, hey, I got something to tell you. I had no clue what was coming. He said, nothing perfect lasts forever except in your memory. Shook my hand and then he kept walking onto the field. Now, you may be new here, and especially if you're really young, not only are you new here, you may not be familiar with some of my favorite movies, and, and certainly if you're younger, like if you're in college right now, chances are you've never seen the movie, A River Runs Through It. Really cool sound and title, but you've probably never seen the movie, and if you hadn't seen the movie, you probably hadn't seen the movie poster. I want you to take some time right now, if it's safe, if you're not driving, And I want you to just Google search. A river runs through it and look at that movie poster. Because I think it's the most awesome movie poster ever. And on that movie poster, there is a quote. And the quote on that movie poster is, nothing perfect lasts forever except in your memory. Now, why is that relevant to Chip Kelly saying that to me? So far, we've just proven he has seen the movie poster. The reason he said it to me is because, about half a dozen times in the history of this show, I have said on this show in some context or another, I love that movie poster and I love that quote. And unbeknownst to me, Chip Kelly had been listening and he took the opportunity upon meeting me for the first time to not say hello, to not say how was your trip? He just, he just broke out the A River Runs Through It quote. And it jarred me so much that it took a few seconds to realize what had just happened and it kind of put two and two together those are the kind of stories that we experience on the every given saturday tour related topic it's not too early we have to start thinking about what we're going to call this year's tour the 2023 tour and also if you're new here i guess you may not know what i'm talking about there either we go to a game every week i'm on the road however many weeks there are 14 15 16 weeks out of the year and so we choose where we want to go we go and it's fun, and we get, we get some really good stories in the process. So look forward to that in all forms, both telling more stories and acquiring new stories this fall. All right, let's get back on track here. Um, yeah, let's go with this one. Here's a question about NIL, really interesting. I think some of you may be bored by NIL, but I want you to pay attention here. It's not always gonna be the way it is. So the question is, what is the end game for NIL? Meaning where does it settle? Will we see almost all Power Five teams have rosters with every player getting paid one way or another? I see that it starts with quarterbacks, receivers, and other expensive position groups now, but I can see full teams in the future. Uh, So I'll answer the question first. Yeah, I think we will get to a place where most Power Five football players are making at least some kind of money because they are college football players. Now, that that's out of the way. And as we are still basking in the unfortunate aftermath of the Jaden Rashada Florida fiasco, and I encourage you to go read Andy Staple's work from SI as they really dove into and got records of what Jaden Rashada was offered and who was on the hook for what and how the Florida Miami webs intertwined. It was really fascinating. It is is a firsthand account of why I stopped short of outright criticizing one party. Now that the reporting has become a little clearer on it and the facts are out there, and that's actual journalism being done, by the way. Hat tip, Andy Staples. Now that all that's out there, you're hearing someone go on the record with some of the things that some of us were being told behind the scenes. And the thing about it is, I know some of that was on message boards. There was no place on any message board where every detail was accurately put together. And, and so I wasn't going to be the source Cause I wasn't confident I had all the details because I didn't have all the details. That's why I was hesitant on the Jaden Rashada thing. So anyway, back to the question that was asked. I think you need to bookmark the Jaden Rashada Florida thing because I, I think it's impetus for change and I think it's impetus for a lot of people realizing we have got to get this in order. There is no way we can let this become the norm. Now, I have shared with you before and I'll share with you several more times where NIL is going, it's going to be for the betterment of the sport. It's going to be for the betterment of you, the fan, and the player at the same time. We just have to go through a rough patch to get there. We, we, we used to have to travel by wagon across the country. We had to go get trapped in the Sierra Nevada mountains in order for eventually us to create transcontinental travel that got us from New York to LA in six hours. Eventually, things got worked out for the best, but it wasn't without a hiccup or 10. And nil's the same way. We get, We're going through the hiccups right now. We're going through the hiccup phase. Eventually, this sport gets its act together. Since the question was, what is the end game? Eventually, this sport will get its act together and it will get its act together via group licensing. I've used this example a few times and I'm going to keep doing it. Group licensing is the name of the game right now. When you think of NIL, you think of what is the Pate State Collective playing, paying their inside linebacker and collectives will have a role, I think, in the foreseeable future, but it's going to be dwarfed and almost pushed into the corner by the more balanced and and tiered, scaled landscape of group licensing through brand value. And there are two compartments that I try and remind you guys to think about in NIL. You got roster value and brand value. And you don't hear this talked about much, but I promise you will. We were ahead of the curve on this. I promise this is where this entire thing is going. Roster value is kind of what you're seeing in NIL right now. And that is, how much do we think this player is worth to play football for us? That's why a quarterback would be worth more than a wide receiver, worth more than a running back, etc. Brand value is... How much will Hardys pay me because I'm a high-profile player at the University of South Carolina? Two different things there. Brand value is where it's at long-term, not roster value, brand value. Because very, very few, very few players are worth life-changing money in terms, of, in terms of roster value in college football. Very few of them. Brand value is different though. What it takes is it takes an understanding that what actually gives you value if you were Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State is the fact that you're at Ohio State. You have value as a player. That's your roster value. But the brand, you rubbing up against that Ohio State brand, you wearing that scarlet and gray helmet and that uniform, and you having Ohio State next to your name, an entity that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars before you were ever born and will be long after you've retired from the NFL. That's where the value is. Well, here's the thing. That's a good thing for you. It sounds like that's a bad thing for the player. No, that's going to be a good thing for the player. Here's what it'll mean. If I'm a high school wide receiver in 2028 and I'm looking around and I'm asking myself, I wonder how much I can make right now. It's a crapshoot. right now. I'm I'm listening to offers from collectives and it's like a bidding war down the road. Here's what it'll be. It'll be like the Learfield IMGs of the world handling group licensing and and pooling together the Chevys and the T-Mobiles and the Verizons and the Doritos of the world. And there are group licensing deals facilitated through rights holders, media rights holders. And that sounds boring and convoluted. Here's what it means. It means there is a huge pie at Ohio State. And I know if I'm a wide receiver before I've ever committed there, roughly how much brand value I'll be worth there through group licensing. It's almost like the NFL draft, kind of different, but kind of similar when I'm in the NFL draft and I get drafted 23rd overall. I'm a left tackle out of Wisconsin. I go 23rd overall. There's not this massive guesswork as to what I'm going to end up making my rookie year because it's very scaled. It's very tiered. I think college football will be shaped the same way. So the players, every one of them is going to get paid something. But it also won't look remotely like the Jaden Rashada thing just looked. Now, in that world, please understand what I'm saying. There will still be superstar players. There will be players like a Bryce Young this past year that above and beyond their raw brand slash roster value just for the college level. Have a name that resonates to the point where they can sign their own individual brand deals. That will always happen. But I just, it's not going to be the recruiting inducement like it is right now. And so you may have listened to that and understood what I'm saying, and you may get what I just said. Because what I just said is when this thing eventually settles down, yeah, the big boys will have an advantage over the sort of big boys in recruiting and the sort of big boys will have an advantage over the mid tier and the smaller guy in recruiting. In other words, what I'm telling you is the sport will resettle itself the way it had already become constructed. The net result is just players will make some more money. And here's the important kicker. The universities will make a lot more money. That's the reason I'm so confident in telling you that's the direction this is going, because it going that direction is the way that we ensure the university ends up cashing NIL checks through that group licensing approach. That, friends, is why I know we're headed that way because there are about 120 or 130 captains of the respective ships out there who all want to steer into that same harbor. When you got that kind of guided focus on a task, guess what's going to happen? We're going to end up in that harbor. Boom, next up. Uh, let's see. Ryan. Ryan's got a good question here. There's that word brand again. Ryan asked, where do you see FSU in terms of brand ranking? It seems they're regarded as a tier below Florida or Penn State or Texas A&M, even though they have equal or greater program success. Asking from Tallahassee by way of Coconut Creek. This is a really fascinating question. What is brand ranking, you say? I guess we're we're literally talking about how we would rank the brands. Let's just ask ourselves this. This is a really good interactive question here. So you sitting in the office right now, listening to this pod when you should be working, bless you for that, first off. And secondly, since you're already not working anyway, let me ask you a question. When I mentioned Florida State, what do you think of? You probably think of Chief Osceola. You think football. There's no doubt in my mind you think football. You may think Bobby Bowden, you may think work, like you may think figures, but ultimately it comes back to football. And that I think is some of what we're asking here. What what is brand? Because with Texas A&M, if you were to mention Texas A&M, they would think football, but they would think bigger than football. They would think oil money. Uh, They would think, They would think agriculture. There are people across the country, in other words, that would associate Texas A&M with more than just football. When you mention Penn State, there are certain people would think academics. A lot of people would think academics. They would think football too, but there are things bigger beyond just the football field that people associate with Penn State. With Florida State, I don't think that's the case. Now, here is what that's a byproduct of. It's a byproduct of marketing machines, just behemoths in marketing and PR in State College, Pennsylvania, and in College Station, Texas, that you may not necessarily have at your disposal in Tallahassee, Florida. The pockets are just not as deep at Florida State, especially in that vein. And so I guess that's part of the reason, I think. I think there's a concerted effort in increasing the brand value and brand awareness. They can afford to do it at Penn State and A&M a lot more than they can at Florida State. Now, here's the follow-up. This is not a marketing podcast. This is not an economics podcast pod. It's not the U.S. World Academic Rankings podcast. So frankly, I don't even care about most of what I just said. I care about college football. So your brand being associated with college football, that's a positive in our book. I can tell you confidently at Pate State, we take care of things in the classroom. We are pillars in our community, but we don't necessarily talk about it all that much. We talk about what we do on the football field because that's what matters to us. So, brand ranking? Yeah, it matters. I can tell you the quickest way to solving that is just go win some football games. When you're winning more, when you're competing for championships, you get a bigger platform. You get in the more high-profile games, therefore you get to run your marketing campaigns during commercial breaks of the high-profile games and you also get your brand on bigger stages. And all of a sudden people realize, "Oh, Florida State football and And then they realize, oh, there's a little more to it. And you get to know the athletes more and you get to know their stories more. And there's a human component. Whereas right now you may just think of them as the sticker on the side of their helmet. That's how that always happens. Like which brand, I would ask you, which brand out there's flourishing right now that's been terrible in football? None of them have. Uh, So that's, it's, it's a kind of a, a a yin and yang thing. Uh, And hopefully when we're looking at the 2023 college football playoff title odds and we see two four six we see florida state in the eighth spot right there neck and neck with clemson maybe we are on the fast track to check in that box we had a we had a really good question here about i'll just read the question what what is the weirdest thing i would see if i opened your dms now that's a good one and that's one i can't go into full detail on but I can go into partial detail on it. So if you open my DMs, you would see uh, you would see some thirst. You would see some interesting questions. You would see some inappropriosity, as Mima would say. You would see tons of people begging for jobs. And you would see um, a lot of people asking if Jesse and Colin are real. A ton of people just blindly claiming they would own our entire office in Ping Pong, even though it's almost always not true. However... I do want to address one crew, and that is the crew that that begs for jobs. I have no problem with you asking for employment. I have no problem because I did the same thing. That's how I got my break. I got access to radio, sports talk radio, by just badgering the the host and, and program director of the local ESPN radio affiliate in Columbus until he would let me come in there. Now, he didn't put me on air immediately, but I just wanted to experience a working radio station i'd never been in one here's what i want to tell you just a little piece of advice be careful what you're asking for a lot of you are asking for jobs you're looking for a shot all you want is a shot and that's great that is great it is admirable you need to be pounding the pavement you need to be beating on every door you can i would warn you if you're looking to get into this line of work and this could be applied to any high level profession If you're looking to get into the highest levels of those professions, number one, we have thousands of people per year trying to get jobs here, so it's unlikely. That's not meant to deter you, it's just meant to offer you the reality of the situation. Here's the second part one of the worst things that could happen in our business is getting your shot before you're ready to have the shot. And I've had this talk, frankly, with a few people I know, so I'll have the talk with you in 45 seconds right now. It is hard to attract an audience. Really hard to do it. It's a blessing if you can do it. It's really hard to do it because we are sports fans. Think about what a sports fan is. Think about what a college football fan is. Think about hanging out with your buddies, just like me when I go hang out with my buddies. Hardly anyone wants to shut up. Everybody thinks they're right on everything, me included just like the rest of my body. When we're talking about college football, everyone thinks they're right. You could be talking about the NFL. You could be talking about MJ LeBron. You could have an NBA debate. Everyone thinks they're right. There's an entire genre of television in our world right now where no one listens to anyone. They just yell at each other. That's kind of the way it is, right? That's the way it is when you're around your peers. Think about what you're asking for an opportunity to do. If you're asking me to vouch for you to have a job at this level, you're asking, you're asking a multi-billion dollar company to put a microphone in front of you in the hopes that you speak so authoritatively on a subject, the most stubborn people in the world, us sports fans, are willing to be quiet and listen to you. You know how hard that is to accomplish? It's extremely hard. It takes tens of thousands of hours of refining and honing your craft. That doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you better be ready because if they give you the shot once and you're not ready, rarely do they give you the second shot. That would be my message. When you look in my DMs, I can't answer all of you. I answer some of you. But for those of you who haven't answered, here's the answer. Be sure you know what you're asking for. You ought ought to be cutting your teeth right now in front of an audience that measures in the teens because that's exactly what I did and I'm so glad I did because if I would have gotten my break in 2014 when we were excited down in columbus to have 25 people watching the show i would have flamed out immediately i wasn't ready was not in any shape form or fashion ready so that that is my world but that could apply to the world of accounting you think you're ready i don't think you're ready to go work on the 47th floor you need to cut your teeth on the 13th floor for a little while it's a blessing in disguise sometimes when your big shot's not coming as soon as you think it should come Huge blessing in disguise. You gotta go make no money for a little while. You gotta talk and not even know if anyone's listening for a little while. Here's the other piece of advice before we move on back to college football. You're interviewing for a job every time the mic is on and you don't know it. Told you two times in my life, I have gotten calls out of the blue. One of them was a general manager of a TV station. The other one was Shannon Terry, who was formerly the CEO of this company and now runs on three. And both times, I had never met them, I had never spoken to them, and both times they started the conversation by introducing themselves and telling me, you don't know this, but I've been watching you. I've been listening to you. I didn't know it, but I was interviewing for a job the entire time. You can't mail stuff in. Don't ever mail shows in. Call in sick, fake having the flu before you go and mail it in in this world because you're always auditioning whether you know it or not. All right. Now that now that the uh, motivational speaking tour is over and we're back home here. Question, how do we begin to evaluate success for programs once the playoff is expanded? For example, Penn State could likely go from never making it to making it most years. Does that mean they're actually any better? No, it does not mean they're any better. That question from Auburn, Alabama, by the way. No, it doesn't mean they're any better. It just means we're lowering the standard. There's no other way to put this. This is not even a debate about whether I'm pro or anti expansion. Even you pro expansionists out there, you have to admit, Penn State has been pretty good this past year. Jesse, where'd they finish? I don't even have an IFBN. They finished in the top ten, right? I would just wag- yes. yes. Okay, I would just wag the, uh, I would just wag the uh, the robotic camera up and down. Um, that's a speaker by the way that we have access to there that you just heard the voice of Jesse from. So, Penn State would have made the playoff this past year. If we run the A-B scenario, if in one world we're in 2022, if another world we're in pretend 2027, and Penn State made the playoffs despite having the same year, no, it doesn't mean they're better. And also, if they made the playoff and went and did what TCU did and surprised some people and pulled an upset or maybe two, and they made it to the national title game, no, they still weren't any better. They accomplished more because they were given the opportunity to accomplish more, but it doesn't mean the quality of the team was any better, but that doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what is it. It sounds counterintuitive, but follow me. It matters what seems like it is. And so if it seems like Penn State's a lot better, if all of a sudden in the first three years of the expanded playoff, they make it two out of three years, that's what people are going to say. James Franklin has taken the program to the next level. James Franklin has Penn State breathing rarefied air they've never breathed before, and it's not true. It's just there's more oxygen in the room. Now, if Penn State does truly ascend, and they're not only making the playoff, but they're winning the Big Ten, they're locking down the number three seed, they're, they're getting first-round buys, well, then, yeah, you will definitively be able to say, yeah, Penn State's elevated, but th- this is going to happen with a few teams. It was a segment we did the other night. I actually view this as a benefit. I don't always like lowering the standard. and You know I don't like expanding the playoff. But if one of the byproducts is we get rid of some of the foolish talk that occurs at the end of our season, I'm all for that. And by that, I mean sometimes coaches are on the hot seat and they finish like 11th in the country. Uh, we've seen this with James Franklin. Not this past year, but in certain years, they'll finish and they, they will have lost a couple of big games and someone will say, well, if we can't win those games, then we ought to move on. I mean, we had some people foolish enough to say that about Ryan Day. Not serious people, but there were some people foolish enough to say that about Ryan Day before they knew he was going to make the playoff this past year. And it was, well, if, if he can't beat Michigan, what's he here for? If we're not winning the Big Ten every year, what's he here for? Then they went to the playoff and they lost to Georgia. And, oh, if, he, if he can't beat these big boys from the SEC, what's he here for? So anyway, if, if if the net result of a world where Ohio State makes the playoff anyway or Penn State makes the playoff anyway results in me having to listen to 48% less nonsensical hot seat talk, then I'm for it. I'm on board with you. Show me where to sign up for that. All right, let's continue moving on. Uh, Roger, Roger had an interesting question. This is very appropriate with what I ended up doing last night community. A word we're also going to cover later. Roger said, which tornado outbreak got you into the world of meteorology and storm chasing? I'll give you mine. Terrible Tuesday, April 10th, 1979 from Tulsa. I always have to remember, Roger is a veteran listener or viewer, but some of you are new. it's, It's just a statistical fact that someone is listening to this pod for the first time today. And it makes no sense whatsoever to you that on a college football podcast... Roger just asked me about a tornado outbreak. Well, one thing you need to know about me is this is my dream job. And why is it my dream job? Well, it's partly because I get paid to talk about college football and and live everyone's dream, essentially. That's part of it. The other part is I'm extremely passionate about weather and storm chasing in particular. And this job happens to perfectly coincide with being free in the spring. So not only do I get to do what I want in the fall, I get to go out on the road and and chase tornadoes in the spring. That's really fun. A lot of those folks who I chase with actually are probably listening right now. So that's why. I've I've talked about that before. And this is the Late Kick Extra pod. So people feel free to ask questions that kind of get out of the boundaries of college football sometimes. The April 27th, 2011 outbreak is a generational tornado outbreak that happened across several states in the South. That's not what got me into storm chasing. I would say Doing research on the super outbreak of 74, even though I wasn't alive in 1974, when I was a kid, certainly as soon as I got old enough to understand what weather was and atmospheric science was, naturally, like I did with music, I go back in history and find all the good stuff. So little JP is not alive when Fleetwood Mac's recording their stuff, but little JP becomes a Fleetwood Mac fan. Little JP, similarly, is not alive for the super outbreak of 74 but I go back and I read about it. Now, here's the difference. Come 2011, we have video of the Tuscaloosa tornado. You know, we have video of the Coleman tornado. We have video of the Hackleberg and Phil Campbell tornadoes. Philadelphia, Mississippi that day got hit with an EF5. Just unbelievable parameters in place that day. Over, I I, I don't want to do it disservice. It, It was well into the 200s in terms of lives lost that day. And that never happens. In the modern age of advanced warning systems, that never happens. So that tells you how bad that was. But you had video of it. So you you can go. You can go right now on YouTube. You can type in Philadelphia, Mississippi tornado and see one of the craziest things you'll ever see. You can look at the Tuscaloosa tornado. You can, the Hackleberg, Phil Campbell tornado. I think maybe one of the most violent in the history of this country. In 1974, I think we had footage of the Xenia, Ohio tornado, but we really we just hear urban legends. We hear stories of like the Gwin, Alabama tornado. That tornado happens to be one I've done the most research on out of any. Uh, the, the Gwin, G-U-I-N, Gwin, Alabama tornado. It's a small town. You go through Gwin though, and a lot of little towns in Alabama, and there are community storm shelters. There are places. If you, if you can't afford or you're not in a uh, topographical position where you can build a storm shelter, you go to community shelters, it's because of stories like Gwyn. Oh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You don't have footage of it. So you're left to look at the damage survey reports and you're left to hear stories from people who experienced it. And it's kind of like listening to stories about the Loch Ness Monster, only you know this really happened for sure. There just aren't pictures. There just aren't videos. And so I would say April 27, 2011, and I think April 3rd, it was early April 1974. Uh, those are the two answers for me, Roger. Next up, Justin asked, what are some historical powerhouse programs or simply formerly great programs that you believe will never or have a slim chance of getting back to prominence anytime soon? I'm gonna ask you this question. I'll give you an answer in a roundabout way in a second. Which former powerhouses do you think are never coming back? I'm not talking about the years where Yale or or even Army football dominated. Let's be realistic. Teams that you would get an argument from someone on. Because there's one that pops into my mind before any other program. And that's Nebraska football. But the thing about it is, I think I disagree with the popular sentiment out there. The popular sentiment is Nebraska can never win at a high level again. I think we got to very clearly define what we mean by this. Are they going to be a dynasty in college football again? No, I don't believe that's possible. I know it's hardly possible for anyone. So especially Nebraska, but is it possible for them to win? Could we ever see Nebraska play for a national title? I'm not ready to say no on that. And the reason is because I think the sport is sort of coming to them a little bit. I think the sport people are gonna misuse TCU as an example, but what allowed TCU to just do what they did, and then adding in the benefit of the transfer portal era, it actually I think makes it statistically a little more likely that if you have the right head coach there, you could have a year or two where where they just for whatever reason the ingredients come together. I just I don't think I'm not trying to sell you on the idea that Nebraska could go on a prolonged run where they averaged 10 wins a season for a decade. That is asking way too much of almost any program, much less Nebraska. But they just signaled something to you. Matt Rule's the head coach there, and they had to fight to get him. They could have mailed it in. They could have gone and, and hired an also-ran. They could have guaranteed themselves bowl eligibility and just kind of resigned themselves to the idea that good enough is enough. They're not doing that. So credit Nebraska and let's see what they do. Um, I, my answer is I don't have an answer here. There is not a former powerhouse, at least off the top of my head, that I don't think could rebound and get back into the national picture in some shape, form or fashion that used to exist. I don't, I don't see that. Notre Dame can do it. Uh, FSU can do it. No, I just said Notre Dame. Nebraska can do it. Washington could do it. I'm not saying it would be easy. Quite the opposite, but I'm saying Virginia Tech, you know, didn't run off a string of national titles, but Virginia Tech used to be a mainstay in the national picture. They're not now. Doesn't mean they can't. Doesn't mean cannot. Just means are not. So I think Nebraska could theoretically reemerge there. It's just not easy. Possible, but not easy. Uh, There is a very difficult question coming up here, but it's one we have to tackle. We just have to answer this. And there are things we have to do in life. Um, One of them is answering a question like I'm about to ask, and the other is doing something unexpected like this. You forgot. You forgot that there is tradition on the Late Kick Extra pod. It's not just the standard Academy ad read. I got to dive bomb you with an ad read and I toss to the ad read and it's going to be unexpected and you're going to be mad you didn't see it coming. Yes, tradition never dies in Pate State and we're back with the kamikaze ad read. So now that we're out of that, Tucker wants to know what is the opposite of a casual? Hopefully you, Tucker. Brandon Walker has been beside himself lately. Generally, just an unpleasant person, disposition, being angry at life, probably wakes up punching air in the morning for no reason. But Brandon Walker went on a little tirade the other day because it is his opinion that he shares good opinions sometimes and anyone who disagrees with him calls him a casual. I can't vouch for that what I think probably is happening is he is making erroneous claims under the guise of it being a solid opinion and people are rightfully calling him a casual for it. That would be my guess. Who knows? He has an invitation to come here and defend himself. He knows that. But he blamed me. He blamed us. Us. It's not just me. When he blames me, he blames you. So he's blaming us for injecting casual as a derogatory term into the college football sporting vernacular, into the public discourse. And I, I take part umbrage with that and I take partial credit for it because you know what? Some things deserve to be called out. They just deserve to be called out. Now, here's the question. What is the opposite of a casual? I was on Buck Rising's program here in Nashville this morning. Actually, as we're recording, I just drove across town from doing that. And I asked him this. I was getting ready to record the Late Kick Extra pod. I just threw it out there. I used his live show as a practice field for our show. And I said, what do you think the opposite of a casual is? And it sort of went down the road of the opposite of a casual is someone who's been a diehard fan their whole life. But you know what? I don't think that's necessarily it. I I would never tell you you have to have watched college football since you were three years old or you're not a legitimate fan. That would be, well, that would be kind of dumb. So that's not our answer. I don't care if you got here 10 minutes ago. Being a casual is about being a certain low hanging fruit way of a thinker or thinking in a low hanging fruit sort of fashion. Be, being a Being a more intellectual, being a more enlightened college football fan is not about longevity. If you've been here a long time, great. If you haven't, also great. But it's just about being able to dive into a subject. It's about being able to understand nuance. It's about listening to a question and not having to scream an answer. Sometimes you just take a deep breath and you think. Sometimes you say, I don't know. And you let the other folks make fools out of themselves. You don't always compare our sport to pro sports whenever the argument fits your agenda. Right now, it's very popular, for example, for certain casuals amongst us in the, in the vein of college football playoff discussion to say, well, the NFL has an expanded playoff and it's worked fine for them. Why wouldn't it work for college football? And at that point, those of us who are not casuals just kind of go numb because it's happened so much. We've heard that argument so often that we just go numb. But you know what? If I wanted to engage in that foolishness, If I wanted to dip to a casual level, I could listen to you, for example, tell me, well, the NFL has an expanded playoff. And I would be like, you know what? The NFL also has, bud. The NFL has trades too. So so if I'm the head coach at NC State, should I just be able to to pack up both of my linebackers and send them to Tulane in a a two-for-one swap because I need help at wide receiver? And I walk into the kid's dorm that morning... Hey, pack your bags. You've been traded to Tulane. And and them have no say in it. They do it in the NFL, right? So if it works in the NFL, why wouldn't it work in college? It's just dumb. It's dumb, but some people, the casuals amongst us, do not possess the mental capacity or either they don't choose to exercise the mental capacity to think things through to a logical conclusion. If if you think it through to a logical conclusion, and you just decide you still want college football playoff expansion, and I don't want it, here's what we'll do. We shake each other's hand and we go get lunch. It doesn't mean everyone agrees with you all the time. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is someone who could not defend their own argument past 30 seconds of legitimate interrogation and cross-examination. And that is a casual A casual is just someone who loves to hear themselves talk. You may think that's ironic because I am singularly hosting a podcast here, but at least when I talk, hopefully I'm saying some things that are a little bit more coherent than the low-hanging fruit crowd out there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, but you know what? If I'm not, call me out on it. I relish constructive criticism. Now, I bash unconstructive criticism. So let's make sure we're dishing out the right kind of criticism. All right, let's move on here. Good question, though. Pertinent question. Topical question. Alec wants to know what can the ACC do to become relevant in football again? From Syracuse, New York. They feel like they're asleep at the wheel as a conference, don't they? I was thinking about this question this morning. I was thinking about a diplomatic way to answer it. There's an easy way to answer it. FSU and Miami could return to their former glory. That would help a whole lot. Uh, Clemson's largely been doing their part. But outside of that, there's just some really average performances going on in a conference where there's no excuse for it. The Big 12 has an excuse. If they really wanted to use an excuse, they could say outside of Texas, where do we recruit out here? Like if I'm Kansas State, I've got to go to Texas to get my players. And that's where everybody goes. So I've got to, it's like pulling in the grocery store and waiting for the first hundred people to go in and out, and then you get to go in, and the good stuff's not normally there. In the ACC, you've got the state of Florida. You've got the state of Georgia. You've got the Carolinas. You've got the DMV. You've got Virginia. You've got all these areas inside your conference's geographical footprint. There is 0.00 excuse for being this average in football for an extended period of time, but they are, have been, It's part of the credit I give to Clemson. People look at Clemson and say, oh, they're in such a soft conference. That makes it easy for them. I disagree. It makes it easy to win individual games. But the most impressive part for me when they had their run of two titles in three years was they were sharp when it came time to play the big boys. They they didn't have to be battle tested, in other words. And I say that to folks sometimes and they say, yeah, but... At least when Clemson played those teams, they were able to stay healthy because they didn't get beat up as much. That's true. That is true. But I think when you ask the teams that come through the SEC or in some years the Big Ten, is it worth it? Is it worth getting banged up a little bit in exchange for playing some close competitive games and maybe even losing, maybe even tasting your own blood, but you get battle tested? I think most of them would say yes. Well, Clemson hasn't dealt with that. They have not been battle tested. That is a bakery of a conference, just cream puff after cream puff. And so the answer is Miami's got to do their part. FSU's got to continue on the trajectory there on North Carolina should be way better than they are right now. Uh, NC State should be better than they are, although it had a fairly decent season last year. Here's the other thing. The two Virginia schools, they've got to deliver. That's what it takes. Virginia Tech's done it in the past. Virginia's never done it for an extended period of time. Virginia... Is, is low-key one of the most underachieving programs that has capability in the country, not just the ACC, in the country. And it, it takes someone walking in and grabbing the entire culture by the shirt and just shaking it. It takes the right leader. It's as, it's as hard and as simple as one figure walking in and changing everything. Look what Nick Saban did with Alabama football. Look what Kirby Smart did with Georgia football. It it can be as easy as one guy. Look what Lincoln Riley just did overnight with USC football. They got to have that. And I don't know that they have that over there. I, I hadn't even talked about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech should be a contender every year. High academic standards or not. They're parked at the intersection of the SEC and the ACC. They're downtown in the capital of college football. They should be a player. And they're just not right now. So there are a million reasons why. But the fact remains... You got to have the programs that should be good get their act together. That's the answer. It's no more complicated than that. Next question. Colin, I know (laughs) I put this in red, but there's little to no way we're going to put this on the YouTube channel. But we will ask the question anyway because this is a podcast first and foremost after all. The question, and I want you guys to pay close attention to the wording here because somebody's been fooled. The question is, What's your workout routine? I want big arms for Valentine's Day to get a date from College Station, Texas. Well, first off, um, don't focus on arms if you want to get big arms. Colin, I know you know the exact same thing. I am one of the few people, I think the only person in this building, that has seen Director Colin in the gym. And Director Colin does not go to the curl rack. Director Colin goes right over to the punching bag and takes out an inordinate amount of frustration. Something must be happening with director Colin at work. It's not me, couldn't be me. But I, I, I watch folks walk in the gym, especially this time of year, and they do what I call a popcorn muscle circuit. They do nothing but chest and biceps and calves. And those are popcorn muscles. Those are, those are not functional. You're not, you better be really good at screaming if you get in a fight because you're definitely not using those things to defend yourself and you're probably not going to get a date worthwhile with them. I would also say it comes down to a little bit more than just raw physical appearance and musculature to accomplish that goal. I wish you all the best, but look, don't be focusing on arms a lot. The fact is if you're doing back the right way, you're working arms and you got to learn how to work out. Don't just Google a workout. Do do you do your extensions and contractions the right way? Do you mix your rep ranges or do you just do the same thing all the time? I mean, contracting a muscle is a really big deal. Slow declines, it's a really big deal. So you gotta gotta mix and vary things. Go find a workout that works, but if it has you doing arms three days a week, that's not smart, not smart. You need to be doing legs twice as much as you're doing arms because it's like half of your body. Why would you do half of your body one day and then focus the next four days on various other parts. I do a shoulder day, I do an arm day, I do a leg day. I do a chest day, I do a back day, I do a leg day again. So I do legs every 72 to 96 hours. Um, arms are in there, they're just not nearly the focal point you think they're supposed to be. <laughs> what a question here. Brayden, I want, I want you guys to notice I saved this for towards the end of the, the pod because only the real ones need to hear this. Management has long since tuned out. Only the real ones need to hear this. Braden asked, why do you randomly say immunity at times during your show? What does that mean? From Pensacola, Florida. There's a certain level of maturity. There is a certain level of astuteness that we like to carry ourselves with. But at our core, we are children working here. We talk about sports for a living it's not really that serious. The stakes aren't that high. So this place kind of has a frat house feel to it. You know, I watch The Office a lot, love The Office. And one of the most popular running jokes on The Office is that's what she said, which is basically a phrase that you can have in your back pocket. Anything someone says something that can be misconstrued or double contextualized as being perverted. That's what she said. So we came up with a failsafe. And again, I I want you to understand how mature what I'm about to say is, okay? This is big adult thinking here. We decided that we were tired around the office of people saying that's what she said to us. So we decided to create our own mechanism to where if we say anything that could be that's what she said, but we say immunity before the person hits us with a that's what she said, it's like putting the safety on. They're not allowed to hit us with it. So because that is so prevalent in our personal inter-office activities around here, sometimes, Braden it bleeds out over the air. So if I'm looking at a game, you know, if I'm looking at Texas playing Oklahoma and I say, this is a big one, immunity, that's what it means. Moving on. Last question here. I had just just added one right at the end. Who is the number one person you would like to have on the show to interview? I think I said this like a month ago. Dabo Swinney is the number one for me. We've had a lot of them on. We've had Kirby on. We've had Nick Saban on. We've had Mario on. We've had Jimbo on. We've had a lot of big names on. And it's not usually an interview show, although stay tuned because we have a change or two coming. But Dabo, we have not gotten any traction with. And I understand it. As I've said before, I don't know that I would do a ton of interviews if I were him, knowing how the media has treated me in the past. Sometimes I deserved it, sometimes I didn't. But. I want to get Dabo Swinney on the show. We would work at his convenience. We would go to him, uh, but I wouldn't do it for 10 minutes. It would need to be an extended 30, 45 minutes because he talks a lot. There's a lot I would want to get to with him. But I think we would have the kind of conversation Dabo Swinney wants to have. I'm not saying it would be a pillow fight. I'm not saying I would toss him softballs, but I wouldn't even necessarily want to interview him. I would just want to talk to him. Conversational. He can ask me questions for all I care. In fact, I think that would be a pretty fun format. I'd love to get Davo. That is number one on our power rankings. Who we want on Late Kick, we would want to get Davo swinging. So that's where we want to go with that. I want to remind you guys that there is one important thing you can do for us, and one important thing you can do for me. And it's not giving us any money, and it's not going and and subscribing to any kind of email list. It's just follow slash subscribe to this podcast feed you're already listening our numbers indicate less than 40 or less than yeah less than 40 percent of the people who listen to our podcast have followed or subscribed and it's free it doesn't cost you anything there's no string attached it just helps us to continue to give you the stuff for free so that is my humble plea to you just make sure you're liking and also remind your friends lay kick extras back here we go so, Thank you guys so much for being tuned in. Again, we do this once a week. We'll do it Tuesdays. And uh, we'll be right back on the air as normal on Thursday night. And if you if you prefer the pod, then the next time you hear from us will be Friday morning. That's the replay of our Late Kick Live episode. This right here has been the Late Kick Extra podcast for producer Jesse, for director Colin. I'm Josh Bate. Thanks so much. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. And God bless.